So I was thinking, tonight I just kind of want to talk to you for a minute. Um, you guys are Christians, right? Yeah? Okay, good. That's good news. Thank you, Keith, for answering. That's good. We got one. He's on the front row. Good job. Christian's still in the front row, right, brother? That's right. Uh, so let's name some sins. Shout them out at me. If you got a sin, name it. Adultery. What did you say? Golly, Holly, quit ruining my stuff. Holly said selfishness. Gossip. Lust. Lying. Greed. Greed. Pride. Hatred. You know, what's interesting is that um, all of these kind of refer back to what Holly just said, which is selfishness. Um, it kind of goes back to it being all about self, which is Keith, what Keith was talking about. I thought it was pretty cool that Keith kind of started that way tonight, um, just kind of sharing a word with us. And um, when it becomes all about us, and just we've been talking about engaging culture and what it says in Ephesians and uh, how we've been talking about how... You know, there's this great divide between culture and Christians and how they don't necessarily want to associate with people that aren't like them or act like them or do the things that they do. So therefore, they kind of divide themselves and they stay in their holy huddle. Therefore, they're not really interacting with the culture and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, as we look at Ephesians chapter 4 towards the end, um, we've been talking about these things about our spiritual gifts. And, and God says that we're supposed to use our spiritual gifts. Where do our spiritual gifts come from? The Holy Spirit. Thank you, Keith, for another answer. So you can't talk anymore. That's all the answers you can give. So the Holy Spirit, right? Does everybody know that? That your spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. That's good stuff, right? That's, that's smart. Like, yeah, I read that. It's in there. You should read it. It's really good stuff. So anyway, so that's where your spiritual gifts come from. You become a follower of Christ. You surrender everything to him. You say, my whole life belongs to you now, Jesus. It no longer belongs to me. And he equips you for service with these spiritual gifts. He gives you spiritual gifts. And we talked about having the gift of prophecy or mercy or giving or whatever the case may be for you. So I get this question a lot. This is one of the things that, that in my 20-somethings group, and even I got this in, 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 in when I was in college ministry, high school ministry, I mean, the, everybody want to go, well, how, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? How, how do you know? Well, how do you know what your gift is? Well, number one is... When you do it, you feel like, man, this is what God has called me to do. That's real hard, right? You feel this sense of satisfaction that, yes, indeed, this is what God has called me to do. And God receives glory when you do that. That's not real hard, right? Like everybody's like, well, I don't know where, which category I fall into. Uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know exactly which category I fall into. I read a book one time, and it said that these are the spiritual gifts, and you must have one of these, and you must fall into that category. The reality is, is the Holy Spirit has equipped you to do something that will bring glory to God. And, and, and we read at the end of Ephesians chapter 4, we talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit, making God sad, you know? Don't do stuff to make God sad because that's the contrary to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you. Right? You're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're putting that fire out that is inside of you, that God put inside of you to be able to reach other people and to give Him glory by doing that through His gospel. He's equipped you, and now you're doing stuff. Don't do stuff. Don't be bad, like the honest preacher said. Don't be bad because being bad is not good, and it's contrary to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you. 
so we, we talk about these things, about what, what is sin. What is it that, that, that grieves the Holy Spirit? What is it that quenches that fire that God has put inside of you? And we say things, you know, lust. There's always sexual immorality comes out. If you're in a Baptist church, they'll say drinking. Uh, drinking's not a sin. Being drunk is a sin, in case you want to know. Um, I personally think drinking is dumb, but, you know, that's your choice. I think that doing drugs is dumb, too. That's your choice also. Lots of things you can do that are really dumb. It's not a sin, necessarily. Some things are just dumb, okay? Now, all that being said, uh, let me ask you this question. If you have the capability to be amongst other believers on a Wednesday night, but yet you choose to sit at home and not come here and be amongst other believers and worship God and, and fellowship with other believers and hear from the Word of God, is that a sin? Well, think about it this way. Is that selfish? Is that selfish? We just said that self, being selfish was a sin, right? Selfishness is kind of the root of all of our sins, our desire for self. You know, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopeless and confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God has... Uh, the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So what he says is, you know what Gentiles do? So Gentiles are people that weren't Jews. Um, these, were, these were people that, basically what Paul is saying here, people that lived after themselves, lived after what they wanted, their desires, their fleshly desires, whatever those might be, Right? So he says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the people that live after their fleshly desires, the things that they want to do. Because remember what happened when you said yes to Jesus, you said no to self, which is exactly what Keith was talking about earlier. So something like not coming to church on a Wednesday night. Is that sinful? It's a gray area, right? We're like, I don't know. You know, I'm really tired. I worked all day. You know, I, it's, it's really kind of... Hot outside. I was outside all day. I had to work all day. Don't really want to go to church. I'd rather stay at home and sleep. Some people do that on Sunday mornings. I like my sleep better than I like Jesus. I mean, that, if we want to be honest about it, that's what some people, some people say, right? I don't come to church. Why? Well, the kids, it's hard to get them ready. And, and you know, yeah, so-and-so ran a fever three weeks ago, so therefore they're probably still sick. They, were, they sneezed last night. I gave him... You know, a whole bottle of Benadryl, therefore, we're not going to be at church this morning. I mean, but that, that's reality, right? So people do. It's, sel it's selfishly. There are some people watching right now on Facebook Live, and they'll probably click off of it when I say this. They're watching on Facebook Live because they were too lazy to come into this building. Some of them probably live 10 minutes away, but they said, you know what? It's a lot easier for me to sit on my butt and watch it on Facebook Live than it is to come in here. That's what they said. Is that okay? Do you think that's okay? Or do you think that selfish living gives root to some other things that might be selfish in your life? It kind of gets a foothold in there, and you're like, well, it's okay to be selfish in this area, so maybe it's okay to be selfish in that area. I'll be a little more selfish over here, a little more selfish over there. Jesus, you're number one, but I don't believe in suffering for the cause of Christ. What about in the area of money? Do you give sacrificially? Do, do, do you give? I mean, some people don't give at all. I know that. And some people sitting in this room don't give at all. That's sad. It really is. 
Um, but the reality is, you go, well, you know what? The church has got plenty of money. God's got plenty of money. I kind of need mine because I got some credit card debt. I got some, I got a house payment, dude. I got cars. Like, look, the church is doing okay, all right? Therefore, I'm going to just skip it. Not really going to give sacrificially. I'm just going to give some enough to not make me feel guilty. Is that okay? Or is that giving root to selfishness? Is that giving root to you indulging in your fleshly desires, yourself being focused on self and not being focused on Christ? And God has given you abundantly because, let me tell you, every single person in this room, every single person watching on Facebook Live has been given to abundantly. This is a very rich country. What we make in a day, some people don't make in a whole year in other parts of the world. But yet they give sacrificially to Christ and for his kingdom. I think that sometimes when we think about sin and we think about being selfish, man, we, we think on a, a grander scale, but we don't really talk about what's going on in here. Uh, students, y'all suffer from this a lot too, if you're perfectly honest. Um, when it comes to being around your friends and, and like living a different life, a life that is kind of set apart and not like them, you go, that's really hard. I don't really like doing that. Adults, you do it too. I'm just happening to be picking on the students for a minute. Um, it's really hard living a life that's different. So when people look at you, they go, that person's different. You know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to look like everybody else. We're really not. And, and as you give Christ your life, and you say no to self and yes to Jesus, you really need to think about these things and what that looks like in your life. A lot of times, um, so let me ask you this. So we said telling lies. Somebody, who said telling lies was, was a sin? Sherry. Thank you, Sherry. That's a good one. So how many people in here told a lie after, uh, since they've come into church this morning or this afternoon? How many people have told a lie? Let me ask you this question. So a lie is where you don't reflect with your words what is actually in your heart, right? So what about when you were singing worship songs, the first two worship songs that we just sang, was that really a reflection of what was in your heart or were you just singing because that's what you're always supposed to do when you come into church? Did you really, did you just sing a lie to Christ when you said, you're my everything, you're, you're, you're everything to me? When you're worshiping him and words are coming out of your mouth, is that really what's going on in your heart or are you just following after everybody else? Is that Okay. Because my guess is most people were just in here singing because that's what everybody else was doing. And they didn't want to look weird by not singing. Or they didn't want to be called out and say, man, what's going on with you? You're not singing. Therefore, they just sang some words that they really had no meaning in their heart. They had no time of preparation before they came in here where they said, God, prepare my heart. Get me ready so that I might be able to worship you fully with my heart. God, cleanse me from anything that is in my heart that will keep me from worshiping you. None of that really happened. It's like, well, it's Wednesday night. We should go to church. Let's go in there and sing some songs and we'll listen to a message for a few minutes and we'll go home and maybe we won't feel too guilty when we do. And we don't want to feel guilty either. Some people leave the church because they feel guilty. You know that? I don't want to come into a place where I feel guilty. It, it can be the, the truth of God all day long, but people say, well, that makes me feel guilty. I don't want to go in there and feel guilty. I can do that at home. I can feel guilty somewhere else. I don't have to go to church to find that. 
You realize that as you give your life to Christ, you're saying, God, I want you to, to, to examine my heart and purify it. Show me, as your scripture is, is, is a, a mirror to my soul, show me what it is that I really need to do in my life to be more and more like Jesus Christ, my Savior. But we really don't want to do that. Is it a sin? Is it a sin to church hop? You ever thought about that one? This church doesn't really meet my needs. I really don't like what they got going on here. I really don't like this. I don't like that. Therefore, I'm going to go find some other place where I really do like it a lot. Is that being unselfish? Is that being sacrificial in your pursuit of Christ? Or would it be more sacrificial to say, you know what, I'm going to be an instrument of change and I'm going to, to do my best to try to be the kind of person that people want to come and be around in church and try to be an example for Christ? Or do they say, you know what, I don't like that, I'm going somewhere else, thanks. You want to you be like the Gentiles, you want to be like the people that are selfish? Because I promise you, people are watching on Facebook Live. They're watching you in your everyday life. And they're seeing the things you say about church. They're seeing the, the way that you act about church. They're seeing the way that you say that you're a Christ follower, but they don't see a whole lot of sacrifice in your life. They're watching. They're watching. So Christ has given you these amazing spiritual gifts to do supernatural things in the name of Jesus Christ. But yet all day long, we're trying our best to wage war against those things by being selfish and doing things that please us because we want us to be happy, us to be satisfied, us to be fulfilled, as opposed to saying, enough with me, give glory to God. That's just me being real with you. Sitting up here on a little stool just talking to you about the way things really are. Because I can stand up here and, and I can give you a bunch of stuff to make you feel good. And you can walk outside and you go, oh man, that was great and that was wonderful. And pat me on the back say, good job, I'm so happy that I came tonight. Or you can walk out of here tonight and you can think about yourself and go, you know what, am I really selfish or am I a Christ follower? Which am I more like, the world or Jesus? Which one do I have a pursuit of, the world or Jesus? Because I guarantee you, as you start to examine your life, you start to look exactly who you are, you'll, you'll start to feel this, this word is called conviction. You'll start to feel this conviction. The Holy Spirit will start to show you things, work on you. If you aren't feeling any conviction, I would say you're probably not a Christian. If you never look at Scripture and it just make you weep, I, I'm worried about your soul. If you can sit in here Sunday after Sunday and not be bothered, that's a problem. That's a problem. Let's look at what else Paul says. There's some other stuff we probably need to look at. But that isn't what you learn from Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So... Lust and deception. So we always think lust. We always think, oh, that's sexual immorality, right? That's what we always... So what is lust? Lust is whatever you desire, right? It's a desire that you have. So you're pursuing whatever it is that you want and not what it is that Christ wants for you. Therefore, you are deceived. You suffer from deception because you think that it's all about you. 
That's not what you learn from Christ. What do we learn from Christ? Sacrifice self. What do we learn from Christ? Be humble. He humbled himself even to the point of dying on a cross, the worst death that the lowest of the low of thieves could experience. He emptied himself so that he might be able to be that low. Don't you see the humility that is exemplified in Christ? Is that you? Are you following after that pattern or are you following after a pattern that is all about you? Instead, instead, so we got a, a plan here. Let's do something else. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You, you, know, you know why we are selfish? Because we don't do that. Let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. You know why you're not walking in the Spirit? Because you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not talking to Jesus. You're not praying. You're not asking for the Holy Spirit to move in you. You're not asking for, the, for God to show you, what am I doing that's quenching the Spirit? What am I doing that's selfish? You're not asking those things. Therefore, the Spirit is, 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 is speaking to you, but you're not allowing Him to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Why? Because you like your boyfriend too much to do that. You like your ways, your selfish desires. You like them too much to allow the Spirit to change your thoughts and your attitudes. It says, put on. Put on a new nature. Your new nature. Your new nature. This is what God has given you. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Holy being the word set apart. I want you to understand that that's what that means. Different. What does he tell us? Some some good points here. Like Sherry said, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. So he says that stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? The people around us, right? So when you ask Jesus, who's your neighbor? Like, like he can be somebody that's like, that you really despise, or it can be somebody right next to you. A lot of different pictures of what a neighbor is. Sometimes we tell na- our neighbors lies by how, our, how we act. If we have negative things to say about the church, and yet we say we're a Christian, and we're instruments of change in the, the world, and, and we are unified as a body of believers to go forth and and tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet we have negative things to say, then we are telling lies. If we say, man, I have devoted my life to Christ, and the, most, the thing that matters most in my life is the word of God, and yet we don't come on a Wednesday night to hear the word of God, isn't that telling a lie? There is nothing more important to me than Jesus, unless I'm really tired. I worked a long day. Jesus, you're really important but I'm really tired. My ankle hurts. I don't think I can make it to church. Is that okay? Or are we telling a lie with our life? We go to small groups. We like to talk in small groups. And uh, I love small groups, don't get me wrong, because you know, I'm part of the 20-something small group, and I love the way they talk, and I love the things we talk about, and we really do talk about life change. But if you... Talk about life change, and you talk about life change, you talk about being different, and you talk about this, and you talk about that, but it stays within your small group. Is that really what we're supposed to do? Go, therefore, and make disciples. 
teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you, right? And yet, what do we do most of the time? We just talk about it amongst ourselves. We don't really take it out. We keep it in. And therefore, it's just good conversation. That's all it is. We challenge each other, man. Ooh, yeah, we are deep Christians because we are challenging each other. And we look deep into Scripture. And we saw this and we saw that. But no going out, no telling, no pouring into... I mean, you know what you got to do? You got to love somebody first. And then you talk to them about Jesus. Did you know that that's how we're supposed to do it? I know that seems complicated, right? So you start talking to somebody. You find out what their interests are. You start talking to them, and you, and you start to love them, show them that you love them, and then you start to interject Jesus into the conversation and show them that Jesus is number one in your life. And then, lo and behold, you're discipling somebody. You're drawing somebody into the kingdom. That God is using you, these spiritual, supernatural spiritual gifts that God has given you. He's using those in you. But we're not even giving him the chance to use those. Sometimes it's because we're not engaging culture, like Keith said. We're not out there talking to people. We're not loving people unless they look and act and talk like us and know the same Bible verses that we know. I don't think that's okay. I really don't. I mean, Jesus said go and make disciples. And I've, I've brought it up in, in here enough times to make everybody sick, but we just don't do it. We're telling lies of our life. It's not okay. We're deceived. It's just that they, they really don't have any direction. The Gentiles wander around because they're lost. They have no direction. They don't have any direction because they have, I mean, God has got, given them a great life. He's given them this, this life, but without Christ, then you have no direction. Well, what's bad for Christians or people that call themselves Christians, they have a direction. They're just not following it. God has given me a purpose. He's given me supernatural gifts, and I'm using none of them because I'm selfish and I'm too tired. I think that's worse than not knowing. It's almost better that we not know. Are you feeling it yet? Are you feeling the reality of what this book says? Is this the first time in about a month you've felt what this book says? Has it been a while? You come in here and you sit and you listen. And like, man, that was good. He made me laugh several times. Let's look at what else Paul says. He says, stop telling lies. That's good. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Does that mean we're not supposed to be angry? You know, Jesus got angry sometimes. It was a righteous anger. He got angry because of how they treated the temple or how they mocked his father or whatever and yeah, we can have righteous anger. We can have things that make us upset. I know that I do. Maybe tonight is an example of it. It says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't stay angry. Because that's going to give foothold to the devil. The devil will come in. Even if it's a righteous anger, even if you have a right to be anger, angry about something. If somebody has mocked God, if they have done something and it's obviously against the truth of God, it's okay to have a righteous anger about it. It's not okay to stay angry about it. Because that gives root to the devil, foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. This was a funny one. Instead, use your hands for good work, for hard work, and give generously to others in need. Isn't that weird how he describes stealing? 
Use your hands instead, because obviously he's talking about do this instead of being a thief. Instead, use your hands for good work. Don't use your hands for careless work, for things that are idle work, for things that are selfish, if you will. Do something that's good, therefore you can earn more and then give more. That's what he says. And if you aren't doing that, then you're a thief. You ever think about it in those terms? If you're doing it for your own selfish desires, if you're earning that money for selfish desires, for your pleasures, your desires to be selfish, and there are so many people that aren't giving. They aren't giving. I, I, we, uh, it be perfectly transparent, uh, here at Simple Church, we have had a substantial decrease in the amount of money that's given on Sundays. Um, you ask me why that is, I don't know. I don't know why people don't give um, I can only assume that they don't feel any conviction about it, that their hearts have become hardened, that their hearts have become indifferent towards giving, therefore they don't give. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but I do know that the giving has gone down in this church. Oh, let's look at what else Paul says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say... Be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use foul or abusive language. Everybody talks about cussing. I got in this conversation with, uh, with somebody at work, and the conversation went like this. Who decided that that four-letter word was going to be a bad word? Who decided that, that just because I said this, it's going to be bad? Keith talked about this a little bit last week. I mean, that's just a word. What difference does a word mean, make? You know, I mean, we decide on its meaning, so what if we say that it doesn't really mean that? I mean, can't we all just agree that it's not a bad word and then it'd be okay? Well, Paul says if it stinks, if it's foul, what's something that's foul? It's something that reeks, right? Stinks. And sometimes you hear people that, that talk and it just stinks. And it don't matter what four-letter words they use. Sometimes it just stinks. And everybody around them, I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian, you know it just stinks. It reeks. And you're like, you know, you're like, I don't even want to be around that. I certainly don't want to talk like that. But then he says something else. He, said, he doesn't just say foul and it stinks. He says abusive. Now, we as Christians... We may not say the four-letter words, but we'll be abusive with our words all the time. Hurtful with our words. That's not okay either. You say, well, I didn't cuss. I don't cuss. Yeah, but you're hurtful with your words. It's certainly not an encouragement. And people don't want to be around that. And it's hurting the supernatural gifts that God has given you because you're using hurtful words. Sometimes, sometimes we get hurt. I know that. Sometimes I get hurt. Does that mean that it does it have a caveat in here? It says unless you get hurt, no, it just says don't. It just says don't. Don't quench the spirit by using hurtful words. Don't quench the spirit by being hurtful with your language. Nobody wants to be abused, right? Well, don't be abused, abusive with your words. I guarantee you, if, if we saw somebody in here pounding on somebody, we would jump on them. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you behaving that way? You're a Christian. You're not supposed to be hitting somebody like that. 
But we'll let a Christian do it with their words all day long. You're making that person feel terrible. And yet Christians stand idly by and go, it's just words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? That's a joke. Words are way more hurtful than sticks and stones. Way more hurtful. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will spend, be saved on the day of redemption. Sealing you to the day of redemption is what some versions say. He has given you the Holy Spirit. He has given you this supernatural portion of him. The fact that God exists is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has gave, given you a, a supernatural portion of him to reside inside of you. To remind you that you belong to him. He's given you a piece of himself to remind you that one day you'll forever be with him. And it's just a reminder that's always there. That, 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 that reminder that's always there, that, that's given you supernatural gifts, that has given you an ability that you didn't have prior to receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we don't recognize that enough. Because if we did, we'd recognize the selfishness, we'd listen to the conviction, and we'd allow God to change us, and we'd walk more in the Spirit and less with ourselves. And we'd say, I'm doing this because God has given a portion of himself to me, supernatural gifts that I will not, I will not, I will not quench by doing things that grieve the Holy Spirit, by things that put out that fire that God has put inside of me. The way that I live will reflect what is inside of me, and that is the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we... Uh, we like to point fingers at people and say, oh, look at the way they live. Look at the way they live. We're always looking outside the church, and we're looking at people at work and the things that they say and all that kind of stuff. As Christians, you know, are we really supposed to be looking? Right in here. Because we're not supposed to be like them. We're not supposed to be like the Gentiles, the unsaved, the people that, that don't know Christ. They're wandering around dazed and confused because they got no place to go, no direction in life. We, however, have a direction. We have a pattern, and we're supposed to follow that. And God has given us that pattern. He's given us a Holy Spirit inside of us to show us what that is. And we spend our time worrying about everybody else. We probably ought to do a little more introspection, don't you think? Maybe we should do less <laughs> worrying about everybody else. And more focusing on what God has given us and listening to that voice instead of listening to ourselves. Just a thought. Get rid of all bitterness. Well, that's a tough one for Christians, right? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So funny when we think about sin, man, we don't really... We don't really focus on these things so much. Cutting people down, being hurtful with our words, being bitter, being angry. Those things seem to be okay in the Christian world, but according to Paul, they're really not. We're not even bothered by it when we do it. We are bitter when we are angry. It doesn't bother us. We feel like we're justified. If we're lashing out at the person at the restaurant, the waitress that maybe didn't meet our needs, you know, we feel it's okay. You know, it's justified. Paul says, get rid of it. 
Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I don't think it's complicated, right? I just don't think we spend enough time thinking about it. I don't think we spend enough time looking inside. I think that we feel better because we come in here and we sing a few songs with our lips, even though our hearts are far from God. We think that we've done good because we showed up on a Wednesday night. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. If that's as far as you go in your relationship with Christ, is that, you know what? I came on a Wednesday night. I did my duty. God, you should be proud. See, we live in a society where we have very low expectations of Christians. Very low expectations of Christians. Churches raise up so that they're, they coddle to the needs of the congregation. They'll do whatever it takes so that people don't leave. They're not filled with, churches aren't filled with people that are sacrificial and willing to do whatever it takes to follow Christ and, and give whatever, up whatever selfish desires they have so that the church might be encouraged. We just fill up seats with people that we just want to make them happy. Well, I'm not sure that that's what this book teaches. Um, I think it teaches that we're supposed to forgive one another, that we're supposed to live lives worthy of our calling, that we're supposed to live as if the Holy Spirit lives in us. And uh, the question is tonight, are you doing that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for what you have said. God, I pray that people have not seen me, but they have seen the love of Christ. And I do not say these things so that people will have their feelings hurt. That's not the purpose. The purpose is so that they'll see the truth and that they will come to know the truth and they will come to know you more deeply and more intimately and that they will walk in the Spirit. And that is the purpose. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you have challenged people's hearts. I pray that people would not walk out of here the same way they walked in. God, I pray that the words that have been spoken tonight were not my words, but they were your words. And, God, that, that people would know that, that these words are true. God, you have forgiven us through Christ Jesus, and we are eternally grateful for that. You have given us a Holy Spirit that is supernatural, that dwells within us, and you've given us gifts that are beyond our natural abilities. God, I'm sorry that we waste them. I'm sorry that we waste them thinking that all we got to do is show up to church. And some people don't even do that. Lord, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done to waste what you have given me. Lord, the things that, that I, I do every single day, God, where I just, I'm not putting my hands to good work. Lord, I'm not giving to the poor like I should. Lord, I just pray that other people, God, they feel these words and they lay heavy on their hearts. God, not so that we can feel bad, but so that we can be set free. So, Lord, set people free now. Speak to them as they respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.